0: There were a lot fewer podiums on the Democratic debate stage four years ago. Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and former Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley were at Drake University for
1: a debate in Des Moines. You'd prefer to scrap Obamacare and move to a single-payer system, essentially Medicare for all. Uh, you say- it was
2: November 2015, and moderator Nancy Cordes was getting Clinton's and Sanders' contrasting opinions on the future of health care in America. It's not going to happen tomorrow. And it's probably not going to happen until we have real campaign finance reform and get rid of all these super PACs and the power of the insurance companies and the drug companies. Sanders had a line he's still delivering during his 2020 run. Why do we remain the only major country on earth that does not guarantee health care to all people as a right?
0: Clinton was asked why in the 1990s she said the momentum for a single-payer system would sweep the country and why she doesn't feel that way anymore. Well, the
1: revolution never came. (laughs) I waited and I got the scars to show for it. Um, We now have this great accomplishment known as the Affordable Care Act.
2: Clinton, of course, became the Democrats' nominee and lost to Donald Trump in 2016. Sanders' Medicare for All plan now dominates the Democratic debate, and it's a very different conversation. I'm Clay Masters.
0: I'm Kate Payne. From the newsroom of Iowa Public Radio, this is Caucusland.
2: Presidential candidates have made healthcare a central part of their campaigns for decades. It's a cornerstone of many 2020 campaigns, like for Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren.
1: The government is on the side of the giant hospitals that want to merge, that want to swallow up little hospitals. Some
0: candidates, like Colorado Senator Michael Bennett, say Medicare for all
1: won't be feasible.
3: I believe we should finish the job. We started with the Affordable Care Act, with a public option that gives everybody in this audience the chance to pick for their family. President Barack
2: Obama did get something done with health care on the Affordable Care Act. His vice president, Joe Biden, doesn't want to abandon it.
0: The transition of dropping 300 million people on a new plan, a totally new, is a a little risky at this point. President Donald Trump plays defense on the issue.
3: All of the Democrat plans would devastate our health care system. The fake moderates on the left are telling the same lies they did under the last administration.
0: Some Iowans are concerned.
1: I think our costs would go through the roof. And how are we going to pay for this? What do people really know about the debate over
2: health care? And what do Iowa health experts have to say about sweeping changes?
0: We'll talk about it with Iowa Public Radio health reporter Natalie Krebs after this break.
2: Caucusland is sponsored by Cornell College and by Gravitate Coworking providing flexible workspace for freelancers, remote workers, teams, or anyone sending emails from a couch or a coffee shop, including those in Iowa for the caucuses. With premier co-working spaces in downtown Des Moines and Historic Valley Junction. Learn more at gravitatecoworking.com. This is Caucusland from Iowa Public Radio. Healthcare has always been a huge issue in this country. Americans are going without basic treatments. They're rationing insulin for diabetes. They're unable to care for aging parents and grandparents. And many Americans are going broke trying to pay for it all. Even people with insurance are filing for bankruptcy.
0: Here in Iowa, rural hospitals are losing money. They're cutting services. One Kaiser Health study found per capita spending in Iowa had increased more than 50 percent from 2004 to 2014. Another study found employer-sponsored insurance deductibles in Iowa are some of the highest in the country.
2: This is a complicated industry with a lot of problems, but so much of the Democratic debate has boiled down to Medicare for all.
0: Iowa Public Radio's health reporter Natalie Krebs is with us, and she's been reporting on the ins and outs of the candidate's health care plans.
4: Natalie... Where do we even start on this? So, Democratic presidential insurance plans can be broken down into two rough categories. In one category, there's Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. They're proposing that single payer plan dubbed Medicare for All. This would expand the Medicare program, which is currently government run for senior citizens, to everyone.
2: And again, we're talking about Medicare here, which is primarily for people older than 65, which is different than Medicaid, which is mostly for low income and disabled people. uh, People get it confused all the time, but this is Medicare, people over 65.
4: Right, and remember, under the system, doctors and hospitals operate privately but are paid through public funds. But to be clear, Medicare for all would completely eliminate the private insurance industry. Here's Warren during the September debate.
1: Let's be clear, I've actually never met anybody who likes their health insurance company. I've met people who like their doctors. I've met people who like their nurses. I've met people who like their pharmacists. i like met people who like their physical therapists. What they want is access to health
4: care.
2: So this would mean no one would have private insurance?
4: Yes. Warren and Sanders argue that by moving everyone to a government system, everyone will have coverage and it will save a lot of money in administrative costs. Here's Sanders at a CNN town hall.
2: Let me be as clear as I can be. The function of the current health care system is not to provide quality care to all in a cost-effective way. The function of the current system is to make billions of dollars in profits for the insurance companies and the drug companies.
4: Sanders has said his system will be funded through payroll taxes and by taxing the wealthiest Americans. And let's just say again how
0: huge of a change this would be, right? The healthcare industry amounts to almost 18 percent of the U.S. GDP. Transforming a sector that's that big and that
4: complicated is a serious undertaking. So that's why the other candidates want to offer what they call a public option. They don't want to get rid of the private insurance industry like Sanders and Warren Instead, they want to offer a government-sponsored plan as an alternative. And so this is
0: building on a lot of what we have now, right? So a publicly-run insurance system would be able to compete more with with the private companies.
4: Yeah. Uh, South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete Buttigieg has a plan called Medicare for All Who Want It. This would offer people the option to either sign on with a government plan or keep their private insurance. It would automatically enroll people in affordable coverage if they qualify. And he says this will be funded through a tax on the top 2%.
2: I just don't think it's a good idea to command Americans to adopt Medicare for all, whether they want it or not. Under my plan, if you prefer to keep your private insurance, you can. I just think that ours will be better. And if we're right, then Americans will decide that for themselves.
4: That was Buttigieg on CNN in October. Now, candidates like former Vice President Joe Biden, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, former Texas Representative Beto O'Rourke all have similar plans.
2: All right. So we're also hearing candidates uh, talking about building on the Affordable Care Act. Obamacare, right? It's the law of the land still. Uh, What are candidates saying
4: about that? Yeah. Well, many of the candidates with public option plan also want to expand subsidies under the Affordable Care Act. But Joe Biden, who was vice president when the Affordable Care Act passed, has been the most vocal about the issue. Biden wants to expand tax credits to lower premiums and says deductibles will be capped at $1,000 a year. He argues his plan is more practical and cost-effective compared to Medicare for All.
0: I think we should be in a position of taking a look at what costs are. My plan for health care costs a lot of money. It costs $740 billion. It doesn't cost $30 trillion. $3.4 trillion a year, it turns out, is twice what the entire federal budget is.
4: Also, there's California Senator Kamala Harris, and her plan is a little different. She's proposing a 10-year transition period to a Medicare for All system, but it would allow private insurers to offer Medicare plans that adhere to strict government requirements. Then there's New Jersey Senator Cory Booker. He praises Medicare for All, but also wants to expand Obamacare.
3: You know, I'm a fierce pragmatist. I'm not going to make perfect the enemy of the good. I'm not going to sacrifice progress on the altar of purity. We're going to do things from day one. Stop the erosion of the Affordable Care Act, expand Medicare, lower the
2: age of eligibility. Those are some of the candidates laying out their health care plans, sharing some of their ideas. Natalie, how are Iowans feeling about these proposals so far?
4: So there's really mixed reactions. And according to an Iowa poll put out in September by the Des Moines Register, 41 percent of likely caucus goers support Medicare for all, while another 28 percent say they're, quote, comfortable with the policy but worry it could hurt the Democrats in the general election. 24% call it just a bad policy.
0: Okay, so pretty mixed. Some people still have their doubts. And Natalie, you've been going out to talk with caucus goers and people who are affected by these issues right now. What have you been hearing from them?
4: I went to a mental health forum at Drake University to see what some are saying, like Indianola resident Esther Caulfield Hoffa. She's a volunteer with the local Des Moines chapter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and she liked Warren's Medicare for All plan.
1: I feel like we all will be better off if we get Medicare for all. I really do. I think the costs will actually go down. Um, people are starting to not be able to afford their health care that they get through work. It's gotten so expensive. So I feel like we're going to have to do something different. And I know people are a little afraid of that, but I, I really feel that it's the right direction to go.
4: And then Des Moines resident Susie McCauley said she doesn't yet support a particular candidate, but she also likes the Medicare for all proposals she's heard. She's just not sure about the details.
1: I think everyone should be covered. So how that is done and who has a better plan, I, it's very hard for, I think, a layperson to know the intricacies of providing something like that and where the money comes from.
4: But Cedar Rapids resident Sonona Kolberson says she's more interested in Canada's proposing the public option and Obamacare expansions. I think people that have private insurance that like their private insurance should be able to keep that.
2: Natalie, let's turn to the Republicans. They have some pretty different opinions. No surprise there. They've been trying to dismantle Obamacare for years. What's the president saying?
4: President Trump ran on the campaign promise of repealing and replacing Obamacare. Uh, this is something he hasn't been able to do. During a speech in Florida, he attacked Democrats' plans, calling them a, quote, massive government health care takeover that would totally obliterate Medicare.
3: So in my campaign for president, I made you a sacred pledge that I would strengthen, protect and defend Medicare for all of our senior citizens. And you see it's under siege, but it's not going to happen. Today, I'll sign a very historic executive order that does Exactly that. We are making your Medicare even better. And we're not letting anyone, it will never be taken away from you. We're not letting anyone get close.
2: We've heard from the president, we've heard from Democrats running for president, and we've laid out how the candidates are talking about health care on the campaign trail here in Iowa.
0: We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll go to a rural hospital in the state and hear from a health policy expert.
2: Caucus Land is sponsored by Gravitate Coworking. And by Cornell College in Mount Vernon, Iowa, where students get a first-in-the-nation, hands-on experience with the political process every election cycle. Explore interdisciplinary learning at
3: cornellcollege.edu.
4: Love listening to Caucusland? Find more stories about the candidates and their positions by visiting our website. We'll keep you up to date on the race to the White House. Go to iowapublicradio.org 2020.
0: High-quality journalism is more important now than it has ever been. If you've learned something today by listening to this episode, make a contribution now
1: at iowapublicradio.org. It's your support that makes podcasts like Caucusland possible.
0: This is Caucusland from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Kate Payne.
2: I'm Clay Masters. We wanted to get a better feel for what's happening on the ground in Iowa and what some of these proposed changes could mean for hospitals, doctors, and employers.
0: And Natalie Krebs, our health reporter, is still with us. Natalie, you visited a rural hospital in northeast Iowa that's hanging in there, but they still have some serious concerns.
4: Yeah, I went to the hospital in Waverly, which is 20 miles from Waterloo. It's a city of 10,000 people. They're not actually in danger of closing, but as other smaller hospitals around them are cutting services, they're picking up the slack.
3: My name is Jim Atty. I'm the CEO at the Waverly Health Center in Waverly, Iowa.
4: The Waverly Health Center is one of the state's 82 critical access hospitals, which basically means it's a small rural hospital with fewer than 25 beds.
3: We uh, really do offer a wide array of services for such a small facility. Um, typical inpatient emergency care, but we also um, are delivering uh between 250 and 350 babies a year, which is quite a few for, um, for rural uh, Iowa. Um, we are in multiple communities with different clinics, uh, with just over 40 different providers, about 450 total employees, um, and uh, service of about, a service area of about 55,000 people.
4: Some small rural hospitals are struggling financially, Waverly included. Many Iowa counties have been losing population for years, and some providers have had to cut back their services. According to the Iowa Hospital Association, more than 50% of Iowa hospitals had negative margins in 2018. And a lot of that comes down to the
0: rate of how many patients are on private insurance versus one of the federal programs, right? Because private insurers are often paying providers more for their services.
4: Uh, Right. it comes down to reimbursement rates. Iowa has one of the lowest Medicare reimbursement rates in the country. Um, So if more people are on Medicare and we don't fix those rates, Addy says his problems could get much worse.
3: We do think that it would lower uh, reimbursements. We do think that it has the potential to um, not bridge the gap of uninsured or underinsured to the extent that I think is being proposed and unfortunately would most likely require us to look at uh, different ways to come up for funding for things that we lose money on.
4: Jim Addy says for rural hospitals, this could mean the loss of more services or even closures.
3: We can't really afford more um, uninsured and underinsured in the state. And a big part of that is, is you look at just the erosion of services. What what I have here is a map of Iowa where you can see... um, birthing centers that have closed. Okay, Birthing centers are closing kind of across the state because of um, issues that we have with, uh, with payment.
4: He's talking about hospitals like the ones in Iowa Falls and Marshalltown that have had to close their birthing units because they're too expensive to operate.
2: Right. And certainly Jim Addy isn't the only one who's worried about a Medicare for all plan and how it could affect their bottom line. Who else did you talk to?
4: So I spoke to Barb Kniff-McCullough, who runs a small construction company in Pella. She says she voted for Trump in 2016 and says she's voting for him again. Kniff-McCullough told me the idea of any plan with a government option makes her nervous because she thinks her payroll taxes will increase.
1: I think our costs would go through the roof. Uh, they would skyrocket. And how are we going to pay for this? I mean, where's, where's all that money's coming from? And being small business is a backbone of America? They're going to reach down into our pockets, take that money away. She says she wants to keep the
4: health insurance industry in the private market. She says part of the reason is that her company's health plan helps attract employees.
1: I think uh, the plan should be out there that um, we approve on what we already currently have, um, that we don't basically throw the whole system out and start with a a one-payer plan.
0: So she's really concerned about cost to her business, but these candidates have other ways of paying for these changes, too, right? How concerned should small business owners be about their costs going up?
4: Uh, Well, Bernie Sanders, who wrote the Medicare for All bill, says one of the ways he'd fund the system would be by increasing payroll taxes. But he also wants a new income tax on wealthy individuals.
2: All right, let's go back to what Democratic candidates are saying on the campaign trail. So we've got these two camps, right, the Medicare for all or the public option. But even if we gave everybody insurance, in a lot of communities, there aren't enough doctors for people to use that coverage. So what are the underlying issues in these plans that are just not being talked about, Natalie?
4: So I spoke to Peter Damiano about this. He's the director of the University of Iowa Public Policy Center. He says, bottom line, when it comes to the Democratic candidates' plans, Medicare for all, the addition of a public option, they're proposing some pretty big changes to the health care system. And there's still a lot of details missing in these plans. That makes it hard to know just how well they'll work.
3: There is a lot of uncertainty. This is really, at this point, much more of a, a sense of the... The direction of the candidates and their preferences and their priorities than it really is about whether this policy is a good one or not because there's so many unknowns in terms of and and those unknowns really affect whether this is going to be an effective policy or not.
4: But Damiano says one issue so far is that candidates are primarily focused on health insurance.
3: And you hear a lot of confusion because you'll hear people talking about Medicare for all as being this right to health care And it really isn't. It's a right to the financial access.
2: Okay, so that's what Peter Damiano has to say. What does he mean by this?
4: He's saying Iowans have more barriers to health care than just finances. One major issue is workforce shortages, particularly in rural areas. And that's something John Hale is worried about. He's a former city councilman for Fort Dodge who runs the Hale Group Consulting and Communications firm out of Ankeny. He says he works with a lot of older Iowans.
0: When we think about health care... We realize that there's a big difference between access to health insurance and access to health care. You could have a great insurance plan that's affordable, that does all kinds of great things for you, but if you don't have access to providers, that insurance card is really meaningless.
4: Hale says there are critical provider shortages across the state.
0: We see shortages of OBGYNs. We see shortages of orthopedists. We see huge shortages in the mental health world, psychologists, psychiatrists, any anyone that's in the mental health arena. we got problems throughout the state. We have problems with geriatricians, people who exist to serve the older population in Iowa, which is the fastest growing segment of Iowa's population.
4: So according to the Iowa Hospital Association, Iowa ranks 46th for internal medicine, 48th for surgeons, second to last for psychiatrists and dead last for emergency medicine. Indianola resident Esther Caulfield Hoffa, who we heard from earlier, says she sees this especially for mental health.
1: One of my friends moved here from Kansas, and um, she could only get into one psychiatrist after looking for months, and he hasn't been at all good for her, but she can't go see anybody else. There's nobody else are taking new patients, so it's really, really just so sad. So how
4: are candidates addressing this? So a number of them have released proposals tackling workforce issues in rural America, but these haven't gotten as much attention on the debate stage. There are plans like incentivizing medical students to practice in rural areas through loan forgiveness programs, expanding telehealth services, and raising the federal cap on residency placements. The idea is to have doctors train in rural areas. And there's also a proposal to raise the Medicare reimbursement rate.
0: Okay, so we've run through what the candidates are saying. Let's zoom out a little bit here, though, because when I talk to voters, it seems like we've got these two philosophical camps on health care. There's the folks who believe more government intervention reduces efficiency. It can limit choices and ultimately drive up costs. And then there's those who say it's the free market that's driving up these costs. You know, companies can jack up drug prices by 400 percent in a few years and that this is inherently a for-profit system. And as a country, we're having these debates year over year, but people are still going without some of these really necessary treatments. And some are dying in the meantime because of these decisions. How do we bridge that divide?
4: So here's the thing some of these healthcare services, like rural birthing units and emergency departments, they're not going to turn a profit. The free market isn't fixing that. And a purely free market philosophy would say that hospitals should close. We've seen healthcare costs go up every year. We pay more per person in this country than any other developed nation, but the US also drives some incredible breakthroughs in healthcare technology. We develop a lot of new drugs and procedures, but we can't agree on how to balance these things. Jim Addy, the hospital administrator we heard from earlier in Waverly, has had a lot of time to think about
3: this. I think that if you look at healthcare in this country, And you ask 10 people on the street, is healthcare a right or a good? I think that you're gonna find a varying answer from all 10 people to whatever extreme. Healthcare does not have a definition in this country, okay? And because of that, everybody treats it very, very differently. You you talk to uh, an individual in business, who, own, who might own a business and have employers, you look at to, uh, uh, somebody running a hospital, you look to an insurance carrier, look to the government, you look to whomever you'd like, and everybody has a different intention for what they would like out of the healthcare system. And because we don't have a good Uh, common definition, I think that it's extremely difficult to get us all moving in the right direction.
2: Jim Addy's kind of wrapping things up for us here. He's saying no matter what a president wants to do with the health care system, it still has to go through Congress. I mean, you can use Obamacare as an example. I mean, it certainly didn't come out of Congress the way that Barack Obama proposed it.
4: Yeah, Democratic candidates can lay out their plans now. But even if a Democrat wins, they're going to have to deal with Congress to get it through. Iowa Public
0: Radio's Natalie Krebs. Thanks. Thank you. We're ending with Only in Iowa, stories from the campaign trail that could only happen in Iowa.
2: There are times when we've approached people at candidate events in Iowa only to find out they're not from here. They've traveled from California or New York just to get a casual look at someone who might be the next president of the United States.
0: That's the thing. People get used to seeing presidential candidates here.
2: That's something that surprised Caroline Cummings. She's a political reporter with Sinclair Broadcasting who grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. Before moving to Iowa a couple years ago, she never ran into presidential candidates.
4: Yeah, I I just, I don't think I ever saw anyone. So when I moved here, I was like, what? What?
0: What's going on? I mean, even people who aren't running for president come here. So it was a little bit shocking. In January 2019, U.S. Senator Kamala Harris had just announced she was running for president and was at a town hall Cummings was covering in Des Moines.
2: Not everyone could get into the auditorium, so some were watching Harris in an overflow room on a big screen.
0: Harris was going to make a special appearance in the overflow room. Cummings noticed a couple was about to leave, so she told them if they waited, they'd be able to see the candidate up close and in person.
1: Thinking like, they're gonna be thrilled over the moon, this is awesome. But the
0: couple wasn't really impressed. The woman looks at her watch, has her coat half on,
4: ah, we'll get her next time. And I was just like, okay, it's a statement. It's not even a question, it's a statement that I am going to see this person again if they are running for president.
2: Something like this also came up with longtime Iowa public radio correspondent Joyce Russell. She retired in November 2018 and was interested in seeing a candidate as a private citizen.
0: The event was taking a while to get started.
1: I know what these campaign people look like. So my husband's saying, I wonder what's going on. And I said, well, I'll go find out what's going on.
0: <laughs> she found out it was going to be another hour or so.
1: And because I wasn't covering it, I was free to leave. So we didn't We did stick around. We will be plenty of chances to see him and everybody else before the thing is over.
2: <laughs> okay, we want to hear your stories. Give us a call at 1-888-893-2036. Just leave us a voicemail and tell us how to get in touch with you.
0: You can also email us your stories, caucusland at iowapublicradio.org
2: or tweet using the hashtag only in Iowa.
0: This episode of Caucusland was produced by me, Kate Payne, Clay Masters, Natalie Krebs, and John Pemble.
2: Our music was composed by Garrett Schmid and performed by Garrett and Aaron James.
0: Our news director is Michael Leland. Our executive producer is Catherine Perkins.
2: We also get help from our digital team, Lindsay Moon and Matt Searing.
0: Subscribe to Caucusland wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Don't forget to rate and share the show.
0: Caucusland is a production of Iowa Public Radio.